Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town, The Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch Merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth is the orc countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt is Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante is Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom. McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown! Gwendolyn, you have been stuck in Karen for a while now. Uh, and um, the rest of the adventurers have left, and you're, you're pretty uh, excited, actually, that they... Uh, they didn't bring this body with them because the other fear is, of course, that Karen will fuck this up somehow and you will lose uh, the armor of Solaris, which would uh, possibly kill you for realsies. You don't really know how this works. Um, who knows? Who knows? Um, but after ignoring you now for, for quite some time, uh, suddenly Karen uh, Karen's voice is kind of echoing in your psyche. 
Um, and she just says, uh, Gwenny, remember when I was stuck in a painting and we became friends and you let me live in your armor? Uh, I'm sorry, was that a legitimate question? Yeah, like, don't you remember how nice that was? Uh, those times were fantastic. Right? Okay, good. I just, it meant a lot. And the fact that I don't have to live in a stupid painting anymore is like really nice. And I really enjoy this armor. It's pretty cool. But you know how and like- here comes the butt. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you like hate it if you had to like hang out with the sword that killed you all the time? Like, wouldn't that suck as a reminder that you got killed by it? Not really. Why? Oh, gross. You do hang out with this. Okay. This metaphor doesn't work. I'm trying to explain that, like, as much as I like seeing a representation of myself on my shoulder, it's, like, really crimping my style. And it's kind of uncomfortable for me to remember my past self when I'm trying to create a better future. I'm the princess of Orvel now, so I, like, have to really get my shit together, you know? No, you're not. I am. Okay, like, agree to disagree. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I think it's time that I, like, make a fresh start, you know? Fresh start meaning? Meaning, like, it's time for me to let go of my past self and really embrace who I am, which means, well, I think it means... This is goodbye, Gwenny. And I just oh. wanted to share that nice memory with you before, before, like, consigning you to the void. Right. I object. <laughs> cool. Uh, just on the grounds that um, I, I, don't, I don't want to die. Uh, uh-huh. And you are a, a hateful... Just a hateful person. I'm not going to use, you know, I'm not going to be profane, but you know what you are. Um, You know, it sounds like you're casting about for an answer, Gwenny, which I think means it's time for you to go fishing. And suddenly you feel your entire body being forced. Uh, it's it's like your your entire essence is being forced through a small hole and suddenly you feel slippery and and floppy. And as the uh, armor pulls you away, uh, you find yourself flailing and gasping. Um, and Gwen just looks at you, or sorry, uh, well, actually, I guess she is Gwen now. Um, Karen Gwen <laughs> just looks not. at you. She's like, it's okay. You don't have to be coy about it. Uh, and then she drops you to the ground where you flail and wriggle, looking back up at the armor, now coilless. And the last thing you see before it all goes black is your own foot being raised up and coming down. Meanwhile, back outside, um, uh, Ita and Maka and Duncan, you are dragging a salamander. Your lives are very complicated and also full of tragedy and suspense, just like... <laughs> Gwen's was. Um, you're dragging the um, salamander body. Um, do you think you'd take it to the entrance you first came through or the one that Sandra let you out through, knowing that the one she let you out through was kind of almost like a like a window in a basement, like not a real 
I mean, whichever one's big enough for this hall that we've got now. If yeah. they're kind of equidistant, probably the main door because it's uh, door bigger and yeah. more attended. Great. Um, so uh, as you, you come back around, you see the familiar stone pillar um, that you saw uh, on your first approach. Uh, only now it's glowing red. Um, and uh, forgive me, Laura, did we establish that uh, Ita could read what was written on the, we did, I believe, that you could yeah. read what was written on the, on the yeah. pillar. Um, uh, it, uh, it says, do not approach and seems to be pulsing slightly. Uh, my fellow uh, temporary travel companions, do you do you believe that it is pulsing in reaction to the salamander? Personally, I doubt that. This seems somewhat more complicated. However, we did leave a hostile election and a goddamn familiar trapped in a suit of armor that I need inside who is capable of theoretically any amount of malevolence. What does the pillow say? Uh, do not enter. <laughs> Good God, these accents. Uh, it says, do not enter. All right. Well, should we go back to our side entrance? Because I'm really not willing to take a no having killed the friggin' salamander. Uh, in, indeed, this is problematic. Or do you want to knock? Eat up, perhaps. You're more important than the rest of us to them with your relationship. I, I, I still have work to do in there. And I just, like, pound the door with my... Orc fist. Um, after <laughs> quote unquote door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after um, a moment of of silence that seems to stretch on for longer than any of you would care for, um, the surface begins to ripple uh, ever so slightly, and um, rather than the full swirl, uh, it's literally just a finger comes through and just kind of swirls a little small hole, um, and. Uh, Sandra, um, soaked in sweat and grime, um, just kind of uh, peeks part of her face up and through. She says, oh, um, hi, you're back. Yeah, listen, uh, you really should listen to the pillar. We're going to need uh, a few minutes here. Uh, we just have a little bit of an outbreak going on. Uh, everything's under control. Um, we just don't want to risk any guests right now. Um, give us maybe 15, a 20 minutes. We'll, we'll have break of back. what? That is a very complicated question. Look, the demon knights are on it. Everything's going to be fine. Just going to need a few minutes. Yep, our troops are are handling the situation. This happens more often than you'd think. Um, just please bear with us. Uh, it really is much safer for you. It's like, oh, you killed the, you killed the monster. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's really good. Um, but yeah, just please give us a few minutes, okay? And then she like, without waiting, just like closes the 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 rock hole. I did not realize there was a threat inside as well. I'm not crazy about this either. Um, Mark, I, you are the most, shall we say, spiritually aware of any of us. Do you have any sense of what the hell's going on inside? Know what, Maka just might. Tom. Yes, sir. <laughs> I. Mm, let me ask you first about our surroundings. Are there large trees yep. around? Here yep. in the woods. I would like to cast Speak with Plants. <gasps> and I would like to... What? <laughs> yeah, I would like to cast uh, Speak with Plants. Um, let me just pull up that spell. Amazing. He reads through the whole spell description at the end. It's like, note, trees know nothing about demons. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. fuck, fuck. 
<laughs> it was perfect. Ooh, uh, you needed ferns. Ferns are the demonic plants. It's it's within a 30-foot radius. So I would first position myself in a more advantageous place, like closer to um the entrance to the these this underground trees, kingdom. Yeah. Um but um basically it gives me the ability to communicate um or for them to follow like my commands, but I'm looking more for communication. Um you can question plants about events in the spell's area within the past day, gaining information about creatures that have passed, weather, and other circumstances. Um, I would like to see if the roots of these trees can tell us about what is going on in the underground. Damn. That is awesome. Um, okay. Tom was so ready to play trees today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really am just uh, cycling us back around to a previous arc. I already did the tree arc. I can't do another one. Um, <laughs> what am I, the Mandalorian going to desert planets? Come on! <laughs> um, okay, what would the roots know about the situation? Fuck, man, that is a good play. Uh, so you're just asking in general terms, like, what, what they would know about... I think. I think the 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 way this might be experienced is is not like a Q&A per se but more like a sharing of uh uh sensory well and i'd argue like you did merge with the root folks so like i think oh, you're so probably have, seeing well but i mean with them you you were seeing their their history through images as well um so yeah i think your your um uh wooden arm uh begins to kind of like um twitch pleasantly almost like if you've seen plants kind of turn towards the sun mm-hmm. uh and you kind of reach out with with a, a part of the cluster that you you've only recently accessed i hope you learned this spell recently too because i would really sync up narratively yeah i did yeah oh yum 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 <laughs> um and um you you feel um dark things um deep underground you can feel kind of a uh, that energy you you sensed earlier that sort of constant prickling in the air um you now recognize is born of of the concern of these deep rooted ancient trees um it's again not not so much a q a as it is kind of feeling uh, the sensation of of what what they've known um, but you get a sense of, of primordial evil, of of ancient, deep things, uh, things better left buried. Um, and you get a sense, uh, you feel sort of a, a, a kind of a feeling of vague emotion of those things being pulled upward. Um, interestingly, you also get a sense of... Um, something like the cluster to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also feel full. Like you feel like you, you've just had far too large a meal. Like you had five of those watermelons mm-hmm. um, and you feel content and almost bemused. Uh, and is this, is this a, a fullness that I'm, I'm drawing from the, the, the roots or is it some other it's, it's an impression that they have. Okay. They never want to knock on wood, but this is the impression that they get. Everyone pulls a fedora out. Um, yeah. So no, it's, it's again, you're, you're basically like 
I can't be too clear about this for plot reasons, but you're getting sensations that they are trying to convey to you mm-hmm. in the best way they can, but they don't necessarily sync up or make sense. They're just kind of sensations that your more humanoid brain uh, has to try and, and suss out. Okay. I'll uh, draw my hand off of this tree that I've kind of tapped into near the, near the entrance to uh sprung brick and i will uh sorry tyler i'll give you one more um there is a sensation of the light um coming off that pillar um blinking off and coming back on uh at irregular intervals it seems like something that has happened before you also get the image of uh a nut closing when there's a sensation of red and of the nut kind of cracking open um when the red is not there Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, Both Maka and myself are not entirely sure what to make of that, but I will share this with the group. I'll I'll draw my hand off of the tree and I will say, uh, Fringe, I have communed with the trees around here to gain further insight into the events going on in Sprongbrek. I felt an evil, an ancient evil presence. And a sort of deja vu or familiarity to these events, or at least to that pillar right there. It has done this before. Hmm. It has done this many times before. I think we should try to get in as soon as possible. When you say you communed with the trees, do they know of a path? Could they make us a tunnel? Is there any way they could help us get inside? Mm, I could not command them to forge a path where there is not one already, but they may know of one. The pillar turns green. Mm. What's it say now, Ita? Tom? Um, It (laughs) doesn't say anything just yet. It still says do not approach. Um, But the wall begins to shimmer. Um, And it's not as elegant as the first time where she like properly swirled you in. It's more of like a a casting aside, like if you get trapped in curtains. Mm -hmm. Um, But she kind of pushes aside uh, the stone and then shapes it into a proper um, entranceway. And uh, yeah, you can see she's like pretty exhausted and, and, and kind of grimy. And she's like, I am so sorry about that. Uh, Hang on. Sorry. uh, One moment. And she like scurries out and she goes and touches the pillar and she just slowly shifts it into um, the sprung brack this way um, sign that it previously was. Uh, and then she turns around and just like, you know, with the, one of those sides of contentment about like, okay, we're back on track. Uh, it's like, okay, so you killed the monster. That's incredible. Um, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, it happens every so often. It is an unfortunate, uh, necessary risk that we take, uh, but one that we're very well equipped to handle. So everything is fine now. Uh, You're most welcome to come back you, in. What, what is this it that you are referring to? Oh, uh, we had a a small containment breach, uh, a small outbreak on the lower levels, um, but we got it back under control. The demonites are fantastic at what they do. 
Uh, I'm sorry, a breach of, of what exactly? Well, well the mines. Uh, what, what is contained within the mines? There is perhaps information that we are not privy to? Um, well, with due respect, if your Googleplex has refused to tell you, I don't see why I should. The Empire of Numbers is well aware of what we do here. <laughs> Tom, am I aware? No. <laughs> At all? Mm -mm. For those of us who are not part of the Empire of Numbers, uh, allow me to just, let's say throw out an estimate and you can respond or not as you will but if you have mines which have containment fields that breach that can only be prevented by demon knights my guess is that you occasionally have demons storming into your mines in a manner of speaking yes oh, i don't really have a follow-up question i thought this would be more secretive all right yeah that checks out with me uh Excellent. thank you for your your honesty you're most welcome. Um, and once again, I do want to assure you we would not have let you back in until it was safe, but everything is under control now. So please uh, bring your trophy. Oh, you brought the whole thing. That's fantastic. The bile is incredibly valuable. Very, very worthwhile. I'm, I'm really glad you brought it. As this I back. suspected. Oh, this is wonderful. That's great. That's great. All right. So we'll drag this in. And he just like picks up an arm and puts it back over Ita's shoulders because <laughs> Ita's the strongest. <laughs> um, Sandra's a little bit taken aback and was like, oh, oh. Oh, you're a very strong work accountant. All right, fantastic. Uh, right yes, this way. Yes, I, I might be considered a large creature in terms of carrying things, <laughs> some might uh, say. What's your carrying capacity? That's a number that I bet our listeners would want to... Oh, no. uh, <laughs> Whatever ever... a large creature can carry. <laughs> and now we know the difference between One Laura and the character. salamander. <laughs> um, great. So, um, yeah, you, you drag it in and... Um, uh, the uh, you're kind of uh, taken to essentially like a, a holding area in what, what seems to be sort of the uh, the central offices. Um, uh, what would probably be like essentially like the mayor's office or the town hall where uh, President Nagata lives uh, and works. Uh, and you're kind of uh, taken to a side room there. Um, there's a, a commotion, but it, it's very much the feeling of people kind of getting back to business as usual. You notice that everyone's getting back pretty quickly. Um, it's, it's taking like a couple extra seconds for the tequila to return, uh, but it is slowly returning. Nature is healing. Um, so um, you, uh, you're in the office um, and uh, a couple of um, uh, assistants are kind of there like putting down tarps. Um, and uh, said, so uh, how, how do you go about removing the head? Uh, uh, perhaps a... Uh, object that has a sharp edge and some weights behind it, such as an axe? Oh, uh, okay. All of our axes are currently in use. Uh, you don't Declan have anything just, on it? Duncan just lets out a big sigh and he draws out his two daggers, one in each hand, and he just goes, ah! <laughs> and it's just Drax in that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 <laughs> opening, just rapid stabbing over and over again, hacking <laughs> through the, the neck of this salamander. I, I, <laughs> Maka just dances by in the foreground. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of lean to Maka and just say, like, I sense that there is more to this uh, than just the physical act of decapitation, no? Probably something to do with the unexpected presence of demon minds. Ah, uh, yes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So um, you go to town. Uh, this is a kind of a check we don't roll too often. Uh, 
<laughs> roll to Drax, I guess. Um, Ryan, I'm going to need you to please roll me a... Hmm. Athletics? <laughs> or do we want to call it the sleight of hand for the accuracy of the stabby stabby? Yeah, I'll take sleight of hand, sure. <laughs> Boy, that modifier is high, I'm sure. That is a 19. Tom's gone. <laughs> uh, 19 works. You cut off the beast's head. Uh, treasures aplenty flow out of its stump. <laughs> Tom, I rolled a 19. Oh, man. Draxy, Draxy. Uh, stabby, stabby, slashy, slashy. Um, yeah, you you uh, very uh, effectively decapitate the head. You're just thinking back to like your time uh, fighting all like the demon cows. And you're like, yeah, right. I, I got this. Uh, the mutants. God, the um, demon cows. Yeah, there's a little bit of demon cow I'm dealing with. And then also just channeling a fair bit of my aggression towards Karen, who stole my princess. <laughs> just it's the first time I've been able to let it out in a positive way. <laughs> It's uh, that's good. That's good. It's like a a weird fleshy rage room. Um, so uh, yeah, you decapitate uh, the salamander. Um, just as you're finished heaving, like the two dwarves are kind of like looking at you. One of them's like, "Yo, bro, that's awesome!" Uh, and then he um high fives his bud. Uh, they're both pretty jazzed about it. Uh, at which point, um, you are informed by an aide uh, that uh, President Nagata is back um and uh, is is ready to see you. So President Nagata um, has summoned you um, to her office uh, with uh, with the head, uh, the trophy. Um, you drag it up the stairs. Um, uh, you find yourselves in a, a large presidential office. Uh, she's got kind of a, a big stone table that's obviously been crafted out of the ground. Um, and uh, as you walk in, you see her using one hand to just kind of idly um, twirl the corner of the desk. Um, the same way that like I tend to twiddle pencils or some people twiddle their hair. Uh, she's literally just twiddling the stone um, in a small arc. And as you walk in, she is a little bit startled because you kind of wasn't paying attention. She's just go. Um, and uh, she leaves it and it's just kind of stuck in a, a permanent curl uh, that she seems to ignore as, uh, as you drag the head in. She says, oh, wow, you, you killed the beast. Well, damn, good work. Shots, shots, shots. Honestly, I wouldn't say no to one at this point. So yes, um, she opens her desk and just starts pulling out various uh, stoppered bottles. She's like, "Yeah, take your pick." He'll just take the furthest one on the left, uh, and he'll take a swig. And that was the day Duncan Kindano first tasted Jagermeister. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it tastes like the tone of this entire place, uh, but you know it's bracing at least. So you got that going for you. As a guy who's been thoroughly stomped and is covered in blood, he's okay with it. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, she uh, she gets you to recount uh, sort of the the tale of the fight. Um, and uh, is is uh, quite enthused, and she's like, "Oh, that's that, that is most excellent. You you made wonderfully short work of it, from the looks of things. Um, do you require any additional medical assistance? Uh, we, we certainly have healers uh, amongst the demon knights. If uh, I'm a little bit that... busy right now, but in a few minutes they should be should be good to help. I I, I most certainly would. Agreed. Uh, yes, I am. I am injured. Uh, she nods and she says, uh, I, I apologize. I can't do anything for you personally. Um, as you can see, she kind of gestures around the room too. You realize what is now a very beautifully well-crafted space. Like it seems like she really has spent time. She says, uh, 
I'm a, a stone shaper myself. So uh, fortunately, my uh, abilities don't really extend to uh, the healing arts or the fighting arts as much as the shaping arts. Uh, but um, one of our clerics will be up shortly um, to, to tend to your wounds. This is fantastic. This is going to look so dope in our dining hall. Um, and honestly, it's going to make life uh, a lot easier for, for all of us and, and for, for the empire as well. Um, our, this, this should clear up a lot of our trading issues. So uh, you have my thanks, uh, heroes. Oh, it was it, did the salamander cause financial irregularities in your records? Uh, it was preventing um, proper trade from coming in and out. We we had to do some business with some uh, a little rough and tumble people. We imagine they might have been skimming some off the top on the way out. But uh, yes, this this means we can go back to business as usual, which is tight. Indeed. Well, regardless, I would still appreciate seeing Dagwood's Smithsonian and and ensure that everything is reconciled properly. Of course. Ha- happy to do it. Um, just hang tight for our healers to, to come by. But once word spreads of what you've done, um, I think you're going to find a lot of doors open to you here. And uh, I'm sure Dagwood will be happy to share share with you again. You, you've done our and people a tremendous, tremendous service. Uh, ho- hopefully not the doors to the demons. <laughs> there's, no, there's no doors to demons what are you talking about the the demons that have come through no oh yeah yeah but there's no doors we i'm sorry did you think they were the the, the demons were just hanging out behind doors or, or something uh, uh some sort of portal I just want to be clear from where i'm standing over here that we would like to be considered separately in the eyes of fortress <laughs> Spring break, like that's that's her thing. We'll talk next. Oh, oh, okay. Well, um, not to worry. No doors involved. Um, just a simple mining mishap. It's 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 all sorted. Again, Legion of Demon Knights. They're the best in the business. That's how this they got has, their names. This has happened before. Uh, yes, it's a necessary uh, danger of, of of the kind of work we do. But you know, it keeps the lights on. Why? I'm very excited to look at your books. All good. Excellent. So in terms of the emolument armor that we would need to discuss, who is the person we would talk to about soul bonding, re-soul bonding, or breaking those kind of links? You told us this this um, beast would have to be defeated to earn the trust to have those conversations. Uh, yes, um, a- absolutely. Um, the uh, You want to speak to a woman named Jeanette. Uh, she is our current expert on... Uh, uh, Jeanette Wilcox is our current uh, expert on um, soul bonding. She uh, she's responsible for helping all of the uh, the demon knights to bond with their armor, um, and uh, has uh, you know uh, carried uh, the tradition of uh, the bond uh, on uh, at least until she grays. Um, but uh, yes, uh, you can speak to her. She is a bit cagey. She's definitely a, a traditionalist, but given the service you've rendered us, um, again, she she'll come around. She might be salty about it, but she'll come around. Excellent. Do you think it... Go ahead, Marcus. Sorry. Have the armor's original smiths and craftspeople already grayed and petrified? Oh, yes. Yes, of of this. Um, The uh, armor of uh, Solaris, as as you have dubbed it, uh, is uh, what uh, generally is referred to as, as Mark II, uh, armor in terms of our our scale. Um, look again. I don't mind telling you this because I'm kind of on my way out. But do kind of keep it under your. And she like looks at 
um, Ida, and then Maka, and then at Duncan, who actually does have a hat. She's like, under your hat. Um, the armor um, that you claim belongs to Solaris is actually uh, the armor of Frecklin the Tall, um, one of our greatest heroes, uh, the tallest dwarf uh, to ever live, as, as uh, the rumors would have it, which is likely why it fit a, a human person. Um, it... Uh, Frecklin was a, uh, a mighty warrior uh, entrusted with uh, maintaining the safety of uh, the Getna mines. Um, we thought he was lost. Um, we, we weren't entirely certain where uh, your Amala Kinsolaris found the armor, but um, if the legends are true, she killed him for it. It was a, 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 one of our greatest heroes, someone who would have been vital uh, in, in the, the bygone fight against the Necrotis. Uh, he was soul bonded to that armor. There's no reason she should have had it unless she killed him. And as you can see here, the bond between a wearer and their William armor is, is sacrosanct. It is, it is our, one of our deepest held traditions. So it's going to be a bit of a touchy subject. And again, it, it, the fact that you brought it back to us means we can finally put a very dark uh, blot on our history behind us. We can finally honor our hero um, as, as he deserves to be honored, as it sounds like you uh, honor Solaris. Now, in terms of your, your princess, Karen, uh, we can certainly sort that out. No, Karen is not the princess. I just want to be clear. But you did Karen... want her out of the armor, correct? I want... So to walk you through this whole thing, I apologize, it is complicated. We had the princess in the armor. The princess's name is Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn went to the Shadowlands with us, and somehow Karen, an idiot fish familiar, has ended up inside the princess's plate. I want the princess back and Karen out. Ah, okay. Well, and you believe that the princess is in the armor? Still. Theoretically, I don't know very much about this. Okay. Well, Jeanette should be able to, if if there is any presence left of, of your princess within the armor, Jeanette will be able to find it. But I sh again, I must urge you from the bottom of my heart, we can build armor. That's not a problem. We can build better armor. But this this is truly sacrosanct armor for us. This is essentially a saint. In our in our history and our mythology, we we need this armor back. But again, I understand that it's not just a a, a trophy that you're hauling around. There, there's there's a sentient creature inside it, so we got to deal with that. Um, but uh, as for your Karen, um, the armorers are already working on uh, a replacement that uh, she will, I'm sure, find suitable. But that will also, I'm sure, help you. Again, I'm not really worried about Karen on the scale of things. I just want the princess back. But yes, I understand where you're coming from, and I appreciate that. So, interesting. Um, she looks down at, at her hand, uh, which she just gestured with kind of openly, and um, you can see her strain a bit. She says, oh, dear, um, this is embarrassing. Uh, tits, I guess that's just stuck like that now, huh? Fantastic. Um, and uh, you can see that uh, her hand uh, is is slowly turning gray. Mm. 
President Nagata, I would like to speak plainly with you regarding the graying, if I may. Hmm. Um, she kind of nods and says, uh, we might want some privacy for this. I, I feel as though you, you seem like the discreet one of the three, despite your inability to keep things under your hat. Hmm. If you do not wish for my companions to hear what you have to say to me, I will respect that. I've granted each of them one request. I feel it only fair that I grant you one as well. I wish to speak to you in great detail about this graying and how it has affected your people. If this is to be a private moment, then perhaps we can allow you to this moment together. I'll return to check on Karen. If you could send the healers to that room, that would be excellent. And then we'll approach Jeanette Wilcox once I'm no longer covered in salamander blood and hardly injured. Yes, uh, and, and Dagwood as well. Before um, before Duncan goes, um, Maka's going to cast Cure Wounds on him. Just lay a hand on his shoulder and cast Cure Wounds uh, just at level one, uh, which is 1d8 plus my modifier. Uh, so that's uh, nine nine hit points back, um, and he'll just uh, he'll just say, uh, "In case there is another outbreak." Hmm. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And he'll uh, he'll turn to President Nagata and just wait. So um, we'll say, uh, Ita and Duncan, you return. Um, during this time uh, to the rooms. Um, Tyler, what specifically would Maka like to know? Is it just in general, like, tell me everything you know about the gray? Basically, he wants to know if this has always been an affliction that these dwarven people have had to deal with, or if it started at some point. Um, he wants to know what, and if you talk about this place having healers, like what if, what steps have healers taken to prevent this before mm. they just have built a society around aging out and becoming a statue? Like gotcha. this seems like a society that has given up on beating the gray or yeah. treating it and more society that has just kind of, uh, kind of structured itself around this phenomenon. Yeah. Um, it, it, we haven't, you and I haven't discussed it very much, but the idea that a flesh and blood thing turns to stone and does not then confer life energy into mm -hmm. the cycle is like hugely problematic to Maka. And it's not something he's heard of before. And the fact that these people are structuring a civilization and an entire like hierarchy around it, um, like, like this, this presidential candidates, uh, one is more likely to like more popular, more likely to be voted for because he's not graying the way the other one is. So it's like, it's like, this unnatural affliction is is completely dominating this society in Maka's mm -hmm. eyes. So he he really wants to like pick this thing apart and talk about it that way. Cool. Um, can you roll me a? I feel like a nature or an arcana is probably best. Um, as you try and convey what I, as Tom the DM, know Maka cares about. Um, yeah. Uh, natural twenty. Oh, shit. Well, sit down, everybody. It's story time. <laughs> Dum-dums and dice would like to welcome you to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and I'm releasing my report on the Valentine Heresy. It's an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. 
Join Ryan LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine and Laura Elizabeth and Tyler Hewitt as Hivebred siblings Lyric and Alto as this unlikely trio try to save the Emperor from a cabal of mysterious enemies in a series created by games master Tom McGee. Can these unlikely heroes survive in a galaxy where there is only war? Find out in the first episode of Warhammer 40,000 The Valentine Heresy. Available now. President Nagata explains that um, uh, as long as as anyone can remember, uh, the graying has, has been a thing. And as she talks about it, um, you immediately identify uh, that she's speaking about it the same way you speak about the cluster, mm-hmm. in that it's not... She's aware that other this doesn't work happen or work this way for other um, cultures, but for her... It is just as natural as breathing. Okay. It's this is this is the way of things. Um, this is what happens. It, eventually, we all end up this way. There, there's no like to your question about healers and everything else. Um, people have uh, there are stories certainly um, that are generally you get the sense hushed up. You also get the sense as as I think we've alluded to a couple times now that Nagata is she's on her way out. So she's a little freer of tongue than a That's lot of I'm people would for, be yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. because. Um, if you think about like a life that is so short by design, like you've got like 30 year olds passing on wisdom. That's about as much as anyone gets. So you've got kind of an odd, there, there's a bit of a sense of like, I have to pass along the knowledge that I have to someone. Mm. Um, and you seem kind of like a safe zone for that. So she admits that um the, the stories of, of uh, attempted healings are are generally um, frowned upon. They're not meant to be passed around, which naturally means that they are in, you know, hmm. uh, hushed tones. Um, they're a little titillating. Uh, it's it's generally like a thing that, that you know, um, people kind of giggle over when they talk about it. But um, uh, yes, uh, there have been attempts to slow the process, uh, to prevent the process altogether. Um, all of them have failed. Standard petrification... Um, treatments have been imported uh, from around Gren. None of them have had any effect. Um, But again, it's not something the greater society wants. It's something a few kind of rogue elements have attempted. So it's not like the entire society has like bent their will to try to fix this. It's a few people have tried, failed, and been um, generally punished or exiled. Ostracized. Yeah, ostracized. Not exiled, but uh, yeah, ostracized for it. in terms of uh, has it always been like this? Yes, as far as she knows, it's always for for the dwarves of um, Sprongbreck, It's always been been this way. Um, would you bring up the other dwarves you've met? Uh, yes, um, he would also probably bring up that he has not seen an underground crystalline light source before, and would mm. wonder if people basking in the light have found that there's a connection between that and the graying. Cool. Like so on caravans, like kind of leaving for long hauls and stuff like that, and then coming back or whatever, have they fa- had found like longer lifespans? Have they lived into their mid or, or late thirties? Generally speaking, um, 
uh, visitors aren't really allowed in. Um, there's kind of a, a greeting hall up near the front uh, from the proper main entrance that is where um, visitors normally live. In your case, um, because they were expecting the Orc Countant and they have a special relationship with the Empire of Numbers, um, the three of you were allowed in. Uh, but without that, you would have been like wined and dined in an appropriate way with ambassadors and that sort of thing, but then sent sent on your way. Um, so in terms of caravans, uh, traders come as long back as anyone can remember. Traders come to Sprongbrek to pick up supplies and leave with them, but Sprongbrek itself doesn't send out caravans. So there are other dwarves who, who have so come they and never come. leave, okay. They don't leave. Um, they are aware of other dwarf societies that said um, Sprungbrek is the crown jewel of, of dwarven society, at least as far as they're concerned. Um, but their output is better, their materials are better, and they're the only ones who have mastered uh, uh, emulium and the idea of soul bonding, um, which has given them like a pretty fucking sharp edge on other uh, companies and groups, um, largely because... Their, their stuff is just legitimately better. Um, you can think, <clears throat> you, using the last dregs of my classics degrees, you can think of it a bit like uh, in early Greek history, the coast was ravaged by raiders, but Athens was far enough inland that it basically got like a big head start on developing culture and civilization over all these other ransacked and torched cities. It's kind of like that. They've mastered Emulium, so like their shit is just really fucking like leagues better. And you get the sense, Maka, because of your own isolation, that you suspect this might have led to the isolationist streak. Like there's a bit of a, a hubris to it and an arrogance to it. But if if you're the best at what you do, why would you question it? Why would you seek out other things? Plus, as you've seen, they all really embrace YOLO. They seem to legitimately have a good time for the short time that they, they exist. So a lot of this doesn't gel with your philosophy or what you've seen in the world or other people you've met. But it does read as as true to her, if that makes sense. Okay. Could you roll me an insight check, please? And I'll give you advantage because you rolled a 20. That's a 12, and that's a 3. So we'll go with 12 plus insight. Yeah. Uh, 16. 16. Um, you notice in a lot of the broad, it's always been this way statements that Nagata makes that... Um, it almost seems by rote. Um, you suspect she likely doesn't know. She's telling these stories that others have told her kind of thing. Uh, and that she hasn't ever thought to question. Like you're okay. getting uh, a lot of... Um, My information is biased. Yeah, and, and you're, you're getting information from someone who, who has drank the Kool-Aid. Like she, yeah. she is believing, like she's not lying to you, but you also don't get the sense that there's a lot behind what she's saying other than oral tradition, which makes sense for an incredibly short-lived society that only likes to drink and party. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess I specified that my questions were particular to the gray, so I won't really be able to ask about like what's up with these cave demons and stuff. Um, <laughs> what else do I want to know about the gray then? These um, 
when when the president mentions these these people that have sought to heal it or or treat it in the past and that they sort of get ostracized is there a uh, district or a slum or a, or anything like that like a place that they are kind of uh, um, relegated to um, we might be able to f- speak with some of them uh, there aren't any alive right now Currently, there are okay. several who have grayed out um, generally they're um, they're You'll know which ones are them because they're usually the incredibly destitute statues that are usually vandalized. And like in modern parlance, it'd be like you'd take a selfie with them. Um, so they're around and you can kind of go see them, but there's no specific slum. They are generally found in like back alleys and that sort of thing, but there there isn't a, a like an exile district because there just haven't ever been enough at the same time. It's okay. usually like one person maybe two at a time working generally in isolation. And with the entire population graying out and becoming essentially statues, where do you find room for all of them? Um, she uh, just uh, kind of nods and says, uh, we, uh, we cycle them through. Um, they, are, they line the mines uh, both to, to remind us of, of our ancestors, but also it's just a space thing. So um, generally speaking, every decade or so we, we rotate statues through, but there, there are many, many, many lining the, the deep tunnels beneath us. Mm. With only 30 years walking this land, is there a place where you collect your heritage and history in written form? No, bro. We just tell each other. It's it's uh, it's an oral storytelling tradition, you know. Mm. Just sit around, pass around a bottle of yag, and just talk about like all the cool things people have done before us, you know. Yes. Mm. Thank you, President Negata. Uh, you're you're welcome, uh, Maka Deathcap. I I can see you you are a lot longer lived than uh, than those of us here in in Sprungbrek. Uh, mm. So um, we've embraced the fact that our lives are temporary and that we YOLO may you go forth in YOLO as well. Fair turtle. Everything is temporary. Yes. You get how it. Much, how much time do you think you have left before my arm froze? Week in a bit now, probably a couple days. It won't be long. Is there any comfort I can provide you? Um, I am I am a gravekeeper to my people, and if this is your people's death, it is my duty to offer any final rites or preparations you would ask. Um, so she kind of looks down. She's got sort of, uh, again, she's seated um, in her chair. Her one arm is, is on the armrest. Her other arm is stuck at kind of an odd, I was in the middle of gesturing angle. She says, um, I'm going to be stuck like this for a real fucking long time. What pose do you think I can make with this that that will be something worth doing? I had a lot of really great plans for this, but I was too busy presidenting. Also, this election has been a fucking nightmare. That play happens twice a day. And what is what is her arm stuck like? Um, it's kind of um, she was in the middle of, of uh, sort of gesturing broadly outward with a flat hand. So it just means like her hand is kind of up, cranked at like maybe okay. a forty-five. 
uh, if you're watching it on camera. It's what I'm literally doing right now. If you're not, it's uh, if you can imagine someone gesturing across their body in kind of a, a large, expansive way, and then their arm just gets frozen there. If sitting at a desk, they're losing an arm wrestling contest. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mako will consider this for a moment and, and say, um, I think your arm's final orientation is quite fitting of a leader, hmm? one who speaks to their people, speaks for their people. Your final petrified form should be placed on a pedital, pedestal over the petrified forms of your subjects as you gesture out to them, speaking, yes, leading them in that's, eternal silence. That's lovely. Um, can you wheel me over to the, uh, the, the, the balcony over there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, does so. Yep. So you wheel her over, uh, there's a small balcony with a railing. Um, and she just kind of looks out over it and says, don't cry for me, Sprong Breck. <laughs> um, I was thinking the exact same thing, don't thank And, you. <laughs> uh, with a, a tear in her eye, uh, she just nods to you, Maka, and says, Goodbye, and thank you. Mm. Thank you, President Nagata, goodbye. Uh, and with that, Maka, you take your leave uh, of the president as she slowly turns to stone. Meanwhile, um, uh, Ita and Duncan, uh, you have uh, arrived back to the rooms. Um, you find uh, Karen is now like, She's just doing weird things with the positioning of the armor when she's bored. So she's got like the helmet like wedged under the the, the breastplate and like the arms up where the head should be. Um, and uh, you walk in, she's like, oh, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Hang on. And she just like slams into a wall and collapses into a pile and then slowly kind of um, creakily gets back up. Uh, she's like, I'm sorry, I got really bored in the armor. Welcome back. You look like shit. Karen, where is the fish that was etched onto your armor? Oh, my God. Funny story. That was me. That's what I used to look like. And it faded away all day. I kept staring at it, and it was going, and it made me very sad. Well, Karen, bring it back. I can't. It was me, and now I'm in this armor. So my old me just faded away. Karen, you and I might have a problem. What? I, I believe that Princess is linked with that armor still. And I believe that you may have taken it. And if you start changing things, I don't know how that affects the armor or you or the Princess. Where's Princess Gwendolyn? She fucking died in my arms in my mind palace, I think. I don't really understand it, but she died. I watched it happen. See, the interesting thing about my time in the Shadowlands is that I learned magical things can only die at the end of a magical weapon. Uh, and he'll draw his, like, metallicized bone rapier mm -hmm. and just say, a lot of people think I'm a nice person because I've got a certain debonair charm and I speak well and I like to make jokes. I'm not a nice person. I'm someone who gets what he wants, 
because I don't care if I live or die. Now we've got someone we're going to have a conversation with about you inside that armor. Name's Jeanette Wilcox. And I'm hoping Jeanette can help us solve a little mystery because I'll tell you now, if I can't get the princess back and I already don't trust you, then I have to assume that you killed the princess. And then you and my bony pointy friend here are going to have a very intimate meeting and I'll send you back to the exact same place that I sent Victor Macklin and uh, my old friend Toby. That sounds really mean. And I'm telling you, Gwendolyn died. She died a hero when she tried to jump from one monster to another and fell fucking forever. I don't know what's wrong with you. She fell forever. And then the clerics burst in. They're like, we heard someone needs healing. What's up? All right. Let's get those massage tables ready. And like a, a stone shaper starts like making um, like tables out of the ground. And they're like, okay, uh, let's, oh, wow. You guys look rough. Let's, let's get you healed up. Let's get you healed up. Laura, what were you going to say? Um, well, I just want to, I, I'm, I, I'm very annoyed. Like everything is just taking much longer than it was mm. supposed to. And this mm. Karen is like, uh, it's just seems to be creating problems. Um, so I, I would like to try to charm her. Okay. If I can, using disarming theorem. Uh, so I'm able to like basically calm a creature into being charmed mm. with, with the soothing speech. And my way, kind of like counting sheep, I just, it's almost like hypnotic. And I just start like, uh, like saying very softly, like the numbers of like the Fibonacci sequence. Sure. Say, Karen, please look into my eyes. And I can do this all while I'm like getting onto the massage 100%, table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, there's no way you're not getting the massage. Yeah, I get exactly. that. Exactly. This just makes sense. What does it, she need to roll? Um, she needs to roll a wisdom saving throw DC 14. <laughs> oh, yeah. Her highest stat, wisdom. As I say, one. One. Wait, shit. Laura, what two, was the DC on that? 14. Oh, dude. I rolled a 16 plus stuff. And, um, I, and I accidentally add the numbers incorrectly. She's like, that How is this not the Fibonacci sequence. It was so calming <laughs> for a minute, and then you ruined it. <sighs> I wish Gwen was here. Um, <laughs> Duncan, crazy. as you're getting the massage, you're like they're just like, oh, wow, those shoulders got real tense just now. Yeah, um, Dun and you can Duncan feel healing quietly... energy passing through you as they're doing this. Yeah, Duncan swears to himself in his mind that if he cannot get Gwendolyn back, he will kill Karen, just to be sure. The world will lose nothing if Karen dies. <laughs> Fair statement. Um, speaking of, uh, Gwendolyn, uh, you find yourself uh, unanchored, um, drifting, and unlike normally when you've been able to um, spring out of your body, uh, this time you, you more so feels like falling. And as you pass... Um, statues uh, wearing, and I should uh, should point out this is happening as they're dragging the salamander back from picking up from our, our coin moment. Okay. Uh, you've been falling for a bit, so like uh, this is quick catching us up to where you are right now. Um, every time you pass one of these grayed, uh, petrified dwarves with the armor, your your soul is drawn toward them, um, and then it bounces off. And every time it does, 
you hear uh, a gruff like, fuck off, it's taken. Um, <laughs> you bump into another one and it's like, hey, help, help, help. And then you drift away. Um, and slowly uh, you find yourself drifting downward um, through through solid rock and through massive crafted caverns, um, all lit by these uh, sort of little energy crystals. Um, and uh, as you do, uh, what's going through your mind? Uh, I, I, I don't... I don't think it's much more than just like, oh fuck, oh fuck, is this the end? Oh fuck, this is the end. Oh fuck. Well, it's entirely fair. Um, so you continue to drift uh, downward and downward, and uh, you start to to you find yourself kind of drifting into a mining cavern, uh, and you can see a bunch of people uh, that aren't petrified moving around. They seem to be dragging. Um, uh, bodies uh, towards uh, some kind of large um, multi-toothed mulching machine. Um, and the, the bodies seem to be sort of uh, elongated, long sort of spindly fingers, horns. And uh, you hear them um, speaking in a language you don't understand. Uh, but they all seem pretty cavalier about it. Um, and that's when you start to see kind of these... Um, Essentially, these these all these dark caverns that seem to be crackling with um, electrical light. And as you watch, um, one of these creatures steps through, um, and uh, you hear what, even though you can't understand the words, sounds roughly like, "Oh, for fuck's sake, we're not ready yet." Um, and two of these dwarves break off from the pack and just go like axes out and just go to fucking town on this thing and start dragging it towards the mulching machine. Um, and your body drifts down past those, um, into a larger chamber, uh, a large chamber where you can see, um, a massive sort of, uh, column of, of crystalline light currently pulsing yellow, um, trapped inside, which is a huge hulking gargantuan creature, um, with, uh, more teeth than face. Uh, massive curling horns uh, the size of a small building and around it you see a number of dwarves just going about their business uh, there seem to be panels and and knobs and that sort of thing and uh, you see one of them pull out a timepiece and, and nod to another one um, who uh, essentially goes up and sort of like bashes this, this crystalline structure with a hammer um, and it vibrates with a deep unending rage and slowly begins to pulse purple and slowly the lights around you pulse purple and the long threads of, of cabling between them pulse purple. And despite the fact that you're falling forever, you realize you found the power source for the mines. And that's when you drift into a single discarded glove. And with a click of fingers, you realize you found something at least to anchor yourself. Duncan? This episode of Curse Code and Crown Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra 
and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Coding Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc, Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse Code and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.